Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session. Stephen and I are together in the Cleveland studio on the weekend of the uh, major, sorry, NBA All-Star Game in our town of Cleveland. And apparently there's a whole bunch of uh, celebrities in town, including Guy Fieri and Bill Murray. Um, so I'm kind of tempted to bounce around downtown at some point this weekend. But uh, we'll see if that actually happens. But anyway, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. I, I'm actually going to skip out of town a little bit. I just, uh, you know, I, I've... You know, having lived in Chicago and, and been around some of these events in the past, even when we had the Major League All-Star game here, uh, yeah, I'm just going to pass. All right. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is cool. Um, it's you, great for the pass because they're going to make you pay 20 bucks to get a bottle of water and yeah, walk into a building. It's, and... Yeah, it's not. I mean, part of it, too, is just that with, you know, with me not drinking anymore. Right. Not that you can't have – and I shouldn't say that, but I just know for me – in that environment, eh, maybe, yeah, you know. I can see that. I can you know, see that. We'll see. Now, listen, the Cavs get into the finals. That's a whole different ballgame. You know, like I'll definitely be there with my Cavs gear, you know, they're... loud and proud. Um, you know, they're currently fourth in the in the conference. And, I mean, they've, they've beaten a lot of really good teams. Like, they're not just beating the bad teams. And, you know, they're, they're not in their hay on the shitty teams. But they're, you know, they're, they're competitive. So, yeah, I mean, if you get they're some. They're fun to watch, too. I'm there at the With with Indy uh, with the with the Pacers and um, you know so they they come together and they keep, they keep playing the way that they've been playing. I think they can be competitive. I don't know if they can, you know, if they can beat make the Bucks a, right. in a seven in a seven game series in the conference finals. But I mean, I think that they can make a run towards it. Um, but you know, in seven games, you never know what happens. I mean, sure. like listen, Cavs were down, you know, three one. Um, so they did have a guy on their team though that was a couple yeah they guys did actually. they had a, they had a couple guys and and you know I, I don't you know who knows who comes out of the West you know Golden State or whatever but um, you know I, I don't know if they're quite ready to make a title run but you know it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch yeah. you know playoff basketball in Cleveland um, I'm working on getting his tickets to a game in March so okay right well and and it, it's fun to have them relevant at least right I mean the yeah. frustration with with the Indians last year and with me as a Buffalo Sabres fan, like they, they've been irrelevant for so fucking long. Yeah. I can't even. And I just, excited. listen, I, I love having good sport. Like I'm a Steeler fan, but I'm an Indians and Cavs fan. Um, but, you know, when the Browns are in the playoffs, even though they beat the Steelers, like it was like the energy in the yeah. city is fantastic. Yeah. And, and when the sports teams are good, no matter how much people piss and moan about sports, and then they make too much money and that money should go to something else. Like, uh, listen, it, it even though the players make a lot of money, the sports they generate a shit ton of money around the city, especially when they're good. Um, so I, 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 you know, support it one hundred percent. I'm not mad at players for making a bunch of money. I'm mad at me for paying twelve dollars for a beer, <laughs> well, <laughs> which is help pay for them. But it also makes the owners who have never said, you know what, we're going to take a pay cut as owners because we don't need right. all this money. That right. never happens. All right, man, Russia, Ukraine. Yeah. Slight change in gears. Well, you know what? Here's the thing with Russia and Ukraine. I mean, you know, uh, Vlad is, 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 is posturing. That, uh, no, the question is, you know, is he going to invade? Is he not? Um, I think he enjoys, you know, keeping that close to the vest, and I think he enjoys the game that he's playing right now. 
Um, and it's obviously it's much more than a game considering the impact to, to Europe and, and the United States and, and frankly the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I last mean, year, last week we both talked about World War Three looking like this is how it would start. So right. pretty serious shit. You know, and you've got you know over 150,000 troops uh, you know along that Ukrainian border, um, and you know Ukraine isn't a, a, a huge country, and you know they're I think they're a about 60 miles uh, from Kiev, right? Like the where border, the, from the border, border from to Kiev. So I don't know, um, but it's, you know, it's not close. I mean, I'm sorry, it's not far. It's not far, and so you know, with that number of troops, um, and, and it's really hard to gauge, right? But I mean, like, so you know, they could probably get to to Kiev pretty quickly. I mean, we're talking in less than than a couple of weeks, um, and take it over if they did invade, and then. You know, and then the question is, what what happens? Is NATO there to to support them and and push Russia back all the way out to to recreate the delineation between the two countries? Um, you know, just the the threat of this. Um, you know, can NATO make this go away? Um, you know, Russia and Putin's stance is that by you know Ukraine being in talks with NATO to join NATO, um, Russia is taking that as a threat to them. Um, and so can NATO, you know, and I think that there's a way that NATO could say, look, we're not going to make Ukraine a part of NATO in the next five years, because they're not, right? Like, I mean, they basically come out and said that. So, you know, that would be a fully true statement, but that five-year period, you know, Vlad's going to raise an eyebrow, okay, so what happens in five years? Um, you know, and it's unfortunate for Ukraine, because Ukraine, like, there's a young youth movement in that country to really rid itself with their, you know, their current president um, and this youth movement are looking to rid the country of the corruption, which is a major issue, you know, which came up with Trump and his whole sure. thing. Um, but they're they're really making a push to to get rid of the the corruption in the country. Like they've done a pretty good job, like on lower levels. Um, they still have some issues with corruption in the in the government. Obviously, that that's not going to be something that's quickly fixed. Um, as you have a lot of holdouts from, you know, the Soviet days still there. Um, but, you know, Ukraine is making the right strides to really becoming, a, you know, a, a legitimate country in the eyes of the rest of the world um, and, you know, stabilizing themselves and, and you know, being a, a reliable democracy. Um, and Russia is really kind of throwing a, a, a wrench in that whole plan right now with this whole thing. Um, and so the question is, you know, can you keep Russia at bay? Can you maintain the strides and the progress that they're making? Um, you know, can you do all that diplomatically, you know, without, you know, loss of right. life? Um, and, and that's really what's keeping everybody on edge, right? And the international implications are, look, you know, a war in Europe between Russia and the Ukraine involving NATO, um, you know, does all sorts of things to supply chain, the markets, you know, uh, uh, fuel prices, supplies, everything right. like that. You know, someone at work today was just like, oh, I think, you know, if we go to war, then we're going to see, uh, you know, we're going to see all this inflation and supply chain stuff go down. So our pricing will get better. I'm like, do you, huh? do you not understand how this works? I, I couldn't even process it. I'm like, just get out of my office. But, oh my God. Um, you know, so it's just, it is a tense situation. Um, you hope that you know, people, you know, cooler heads prevail and diplomacy fixes this thing. Um, but I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what is going on in Vladimir Putin's head. You know, I'd be a super rich or super dead person if I did. True. You know? True. <laughs> um, 
and I agree with you. I don't. We don't know what's going on in his head. I think normally we simplify things too much and say, you know, who knows what President Biden's thinking? Who knows what? But in, this in, case, in Putin's case, it's it's that guy. Right, because much... I mean, listen, for him, there's either way this works out. Could like listen? I think war doesn't work out well for anybody. But I mean, I think Putin's one of those guys who thinks that he can operate best in chaos. So if you throw the country into war, which means you basically throw Europe into war, and the U.S. is going to have to get involved somehow, you can start to attack the U.S. You know, with, with more aggressive cyber attacks, things like that, then you, know, you might be able to weaken the U.S. to a point where you can attack us on a different front. Um, there's, just, there's just a lot of implications here. But if it works out diplomatically, then you know, Vlad's going to spin it to where he, he gets credit for not going to war in a situation that he created. Right. Um, but that means he also probably got something out of it, meaning Ukraine not going to NATO, um, that he deems as, as a win, right? Like, so he's, he's really holding a lot of the cards here, um, even though it's, uh, again, a, a mess of his own creation. Right. Uh, and I just, like, like you said, I have no idea what his... His goal, well, his end game, right? Yeah, like I, what, what, like, like I mean, you know, you expect I, the U, U.S. and and and, and uh, Western Europe and Eastern Europe to say, okay, you got a good point, Vlad. You can now take over the sovereign country. I mean, that's how wars start. That's right. I mean, and and you know, I mean, there's also questions about China, right? Like Russia and China have been very open and public about their relationship and and um, you know their willingness to support one another. So where does China come into play with a war with Ukraine and everybody else? Right. Does China say you focus on Ukraine and you we'll know we'll sneak into Taiwan and uh, we'll, or, or we'll just we'll defend you? You know what, oh, while yeah, you do it, yeah. we'll we'll help you. We'll help defend and protect you. I don't know. Um, you know another aspect. You and I talked about this the other day, but you know just another wrinkle in all this is you know Tucker Carlson on Fox News, who I I really don't like to talk about on the show. Because I just don't like to draw attention to him. He's right? got enough attention already. And, though, I mean. you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, and a lot of it is just ridiculous rhetoric. But, you know, I was listening to something the other day where they pointed out that, you know, Tucker Carlson's, uh, um, um, you know, commentary on Russia and, you know, oh. why would we support Ukraine? And, you know, like Russia is the bigger country and blah, 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 blah. Like, uh, you know, so this is what, what I was listening to. They were saying that, you know, Russia, you know, Russian television, Russia RT, I think it's Russia Today or whatever, RT television, they're playing segments, like five, seven minute segments of Tucker Carlson's show in Russia. You know, and he, and I mean, you know, someone, some, someone there said that, like, listen, someone in Russia said that, you know, they said two things that Carlson may need to cool it because it's so obvious what he's saying and what he's doing in his support for Russia that they're worried that he may get shut down and they don't want him to get shut down, but they do want him to calm it down because it's so obvious. Because he's basically doing Russian propaganda? Exactly. And he is he, not basically, okay, he okay. is doing Russian propaganda. And someone else said that. It feels like someone is is literally feeding him talking points from you know the R Russian Ministry of International Affairs or whatever, um, you know which you know is terrifying, right? Like, I mean, could he, could he just be hitting on all the points just because he wants to you know do whatever the opposite of what Biden wants to do? Sure, I mean, or is there a possibility that he's in conversations with people over in the Kremlin? Um, and you know, another thing that came out of this interview was that. You know, Tucker Carlson is pushing hard to get an extended interview with Vlad Putin on his show, 
Right. I mean, so, you know, I mean, like all of this is, I mean, it I'm is. I'm sure it'll be a hard hitting, tough question filled. Uh, no, I mean, we, we know exactly what. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you're joking, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be him, you know, basically licking the boot of Vladimir Putin and, you know, basically trying to prop him up. And the idea that that would happen on a U.S. based you know, cable network right. news program. I believe the biggest. Right. I mean, it just is is insane, um, and and it's scary. And I think that those are the sort of things that you have to pay attention to. Um, and it, you know, I so. But then you're also put in the situation like, all right, what do we do? Right. If he does get Vladimir Putin on, do we, you just you kind of be based? I'd off, watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but you know, free. I mean, you know exactly what it's going to be. It's yeah. going to be. A, you know, it's not. He's not going to hold. Putin to account for anything. He's just he's basically going to praise him the whole time and say, "I don't know why anybody would disagree with you on this, right?" Which is just an insane idea um, that you know you've got someone that prominent in you know the U.S. news media um, openly supporting Russia in a move for Russia to take over a sovereign country, right? I a mean, sovereign democracy, right? A sovereign a democracy, right? That is a U.S. ally that we you know said that we would help and protect. Uh, this is just um, uh, this. This situation is is really a nightmare scenario. Yeah, know? and it's something that like it kind of fall. I won't say it fell off my radar, but it's you know the nonsense that gets well, some of the stuff we're going to talk about here takes over my you know uh, news feed, and I end up just kind of getting distracted from it. And then I'll see Putin positions himself this way, and I'm like, I cannot imagine what it's like to be in Ukraine right now. It's got to be horrifying. You got to be sitting there every day wondering, like, okay, especially if you're in Kiev or, or you know, close to the border, like, someday you're just going to open your blinds in the morning, and next thing you know, there's troops marching down your street. I mean, that's as crazy as that sounds to say. It could happen, and I'd certainly be thinking about it if I lived there. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. You um, know. You know, I've got a really good friend who's Ukrainian, and I I should reach out to her and just ask her what her what, thoughts yeah, are. Yeah. 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 Because she's. I mean, she's. Uh, she lives here now, but she grew up in Ukraine. I think she left there when she was like 14. Um, and uh, actually, you know her too. It's uh, Vicky, the girl that used to work at... Yeah, no, uh, no at, I know exactly who you're talking about. So yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Now, I have not followed the Durham Report story very well, but I think you have. So Yeah, so I'm going to just get, do a... actually like put notes down just because it's, it's, it's not that complicated, but it's worth... Like making sure that we get it right so that people at least can hear it. I, I personally think it's a nothing burger. But okay. um, and this is some. This, it, the weird thing about this, this isn't new. No, it's only twenty. I mean, well, no, no, no. What I mean is like, yeah, it happened back in twenty nineteen or, or no, I'm sorry, twenty eighteen. But this was reported by the New York Times like a year ago, right? I mean, like this exact story, and no one thought it was a big deal. And now Durham is is you know he has made his statement. Um, and so that should be a little bit of a red flag, even though it's not. So, and the part of that is that you know this is a validation of Trump. Like Trump said all these things, and you liberals ignored it. And now here's proof that in fact this did happen. He was spied upon by Hillary Clinton during the campaign. Um, I mean that's essentially what it's 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 kind of like red meat for that crowd. Right. So this is what happened. You've got this company, uh, New Star, right? N E U Star. Um, and they provide, you know, inter internet registry and security services, um, you know, for, uh, you know, like government agencies and entities, right? And so they had um, basically lawful access to the databases of 
the federal government, right? And they what they do is they look at DNS data, right? And DNS data is the domain name system, and that's what basically is it's like the the phone book of the internet, right? It's okay. how computers, it's how they, it's how we talk to each other on the internet, right? Um, and then it's it's what happens is. You've got your website name. So our website name is whiskeycongress.com. And then the DNS converts that into a number program that can be sent to other computers. And it's how they communicate together, right? Um, but so they had lawful access to, you know, federal d uh, databases. Um, and what they do is DNS look up data, right? And so um, what they do is they go through and they look at the DNS data and they look at what like you know who like what computer is communicating with what computer and they look for um, inconsistencies or suspicious you know interactions right. and so what they found when they were going through lawfully by contract not from Hillary Clinton but a contract that they that the company had with the federal government not to look at just Trump's but all you know servers was that there was a lot of contact between um, you know their these servers and like Russian banks and then they also found out that there was a lot of contact between, you know, these servers and these uh, special-made Russian cell phones that are not common in the U.S., right? So this company, Neurostar, and then these Georgia Tech researchers who also were looking at this data under contract through the federal government saw the, you know, saw these sort of connections to Russia and said, you know what, we're going to raise the red flag. Um, and so they report it to the FBI and the CIA, right? Like these are some things that you may want to look into. Now, where, you know, things get a little bit complicated is you've got this guy Jaffe, right? And so Jaffe hands the information over to this guy Sussman. Sussman is the one who hands it over to the FBI and the CIA. Now, Sussman is the one being charged. And the reason why he's being charged is because uh, Durham is saying that he that Sussman worked for the, the Clinton campaign at the time that he received this information and handed it over to the FBI and CIA. And when he was asked about his uh, connection to the Clinton campaign by the FBI, he lied about it. That's what Durham okay. is saying. Now, the problem is, is that there doesn't seem to be evidence to show like Sussman denies that he was working for the Clinton campaign at the time that this was happening. So he's saying that I didn't lie to the FBI. I wasn't, I have worked for the Clinton campaign in the past, but I didn't at this point in time. And so I wasn't lying. And Durham is saying, I think you were working for the Clinton campaign. The issue is I'm not sure that Durham has proof that Sussman was working for the, for the Clinton campaign. So, um, now I also I don't know what Durham has. I haven't I don't have access to the sure. to the evidence that he has, so I don't know. But just if you go through and you read his report, like it's like he doesn't explain how he's making this connection that Sussman or I'm sorry, yeah, that Sussman was working for the Clinton campaign at the time, other than I believe that you were, right? Like right. so I don't know, like there doesn't seem to be a financial paper trail that that makes a connection that fits the timeline. Um, you know, like there's, you know, it's not like he has a contract or something like that that shows it. So that'll be interesting to sort of figure out. Now, you know, Sussman, Jaffe, and, and, and you know, like these people had, where, where things are complicated, I guess, or what muddies the waters for this is that, you know, the, the, the people who reported this were not fans of Trump, 
right? And not only not fans, but they, they, you know, they really disliked him, right? Like they, 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 they really, you know, had a certain level of disdain for him. Um, and so Durham is trying to say that because of their political bias, that the, and specifically Sussman, and you know, if he's assume, and he's you know making this claim that Sussman worked for the Clinton campaign, and had this you know known bias against Donald Trump, that that's where the funny business comes in, right? But really, the the main charge here is that Sussman lied to the FBI about who he was working for at the time. And so, you know, Sussman didn't do anything wrong or illegal by passing the information to the FBI. And the company that found this information didn't do anything illegal by looking at it because they were supposed to be looking at it because they did it for the entire government. The other thing is, is that with these servers, you know, with the Russian phone thing, is that those dated back to the Obama administration, right? So, you know, like that is a little bit of a problem for the whole idea that they were spying on Trump because, you know, when, when they're seeing these pings from, you know, uh, you know, white house servers going to these Russian cell phones, that some of that was happening during the Obama administration. Right. Okay. So, so to say, you know, and when you, when you look at this DNS info, you, there's timestamps. So they know the dates Right, and I'm assuming that if you work for this company or you're a Georgia Tech researcher, you can figure out when Trump got into office, right? When Obama left office, right? So if they're seeing stuff from 2015 or 2014 or 12 or whatever, then I don't think that they're sitting there and be like, "Oh, this has to be Trump," right? How could it be because Obama was in office? So the idea that they were using some sort of bias against Trump in this, it kind of that that puts a little bit of a dent. In, in, in the whole idea that they were spying specifically on Trump, right? Because if they really were spying and out to get Trump, why would they report that particular those particular instances as being suspicious and trying to lay it on Trump? On Trump, that just doesn't right. quite track. Right. And the, the the thing I heard, I think it was from Sussman's lawyer that they said you're trying to put this on him, saying because it was his motivation, and his his analogy was <clears throat> if an angry ex-wife reports her husband for being a gun dealer. And he gets arrested for being a gun dealer. He was still dealing guns. Right. So, you know, the motive of the person who did it really isn't relevant from a legal perspective. And if the person committed the, the act, or in this case, didn't. But understand this. It's also, like, that's not even the Like, the issue is that Durham is saying that he lied. Right. right. That, that's the only sure. that, that's the only charge. Like the rest yeah. of it, you know, whether whether he had a bias against Trump or what have you, his his motives for turning it over to the FBI and the CIA, those aren't at issue. Those aren't what he's you know, that they're right. saying needs to be adjudicated. What they're what they're saying is you can't and you can't lie to feds, right? right. Like that is that's, a thing. Um, and so you know, like that that is what they'll have to hash out. But this whole idea that this is this big bombshell that, you know, the, the Trump servers were hacked and he was spied upon, it's bullshit and we knew it, but now that we know what the, the structure of the situation was, um, you know, it's how how can you support like you know, I mean you know exactly yeah, so you, yeah. you don't you know the answer to your own question. Uh, so we don't have this on the board, but there was a settlement with um, oh, Remington and the Sandy Hook families. Yes. Okay, for $73 million. Yes. I want to talk about this. I do too. Um, why don't you go first? I don't like it at all because I just have a thing with blaming, like, 
Remington didn't make a weapon, I guess. They did make a weapon that was designed to kill people. Okay, they did do that. But I don't see how you hold that organization responsible for this. And I'm completely sympathetic, empathetic to these families. I, what they endured was horrible. And the shit it is that, horrible because they're mean, still enduring it, right? Shit, right. And they're, and they're getting know, called I mean, crisis actors. Yeah. And they're getting called crisis Alex actors. Alex Jones still, and all right. that shit, yeah. And so I, I in no way mean this to sound like a slight or an insult to the families, but I just don't think this is the right mechanism to bring about change and bring about justice. Right. So you're, you're onto something there, right? This case um, isn't about accountability, right? It's not. This is about money. And this is about, you know, you know, uh, issuing a severe blow to the gun manufacturing industry by the gun lobby. And I'll show you, I'll walk you through how this is happening, right? Like, so you have a $73 million settlement, um, which, you know, first of all, the lawyer for that is going to take home a huge chunk of it, right? Like, so he's motivated. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, If this is truly about holding Remington accountable and they felt that they had a strong case, why would they, right? Like you're a family, you're, you're in mourning, you've, you've lost your kid. Um, and, and everything that you've had to endure at this point. And if you truly believe that Remington is responsible, then you would laugh at their settlement offer and you say, no, you're, we're, you're going to claim responsibility for what we feel you're responsible for. Right, a settlement is look. We're not claiming responsibility, but um, here's some money go here's, away. Here's some money go away. Now, here's the thing, Remington, um, they're the they're a publicly held company and they're the largest gun manufacturer in the world, right? Um, and that being said, their market cap is about one and a half billion dollars, right? Now that's okay. a lot of money to me and you, but just to put it in comparison, you know, Google does like fifteen billion a quarter, right? Right. Um, so. You know, gun companies don't like they they, they don't have a, a huge margin, right? Right. Um, and so, you also have to remember that Remington has filed for bankruptcy two or three times in the last thirty years, right? It wouldn't shock me because their right. products have been kind of up and down on quality over the past several years. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a Remington guy anyway. I would never buy a Remington, but um, but that being said, either way. Um, you know, so yes, one one you know a billion dollars is, is is a lot of money, but like their 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 you know profits and 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 you know sure. revenue margins aren't great. So, you know, Remington at this point with their bankruptcy history had to make a calculation, right? So they offer up seventy three million, uh, because and you have to remember that trials are expensive, especially of this nature. You're talking about you know you're paying lawyers thousands of dollars per hour and cases like this take hours upon hours and upon hours of work to you know put them together especially right. when you're on the defensive um and so you know they're running a huge bill to defend themselves in this particular yeah. situation right now if you're you know if you're a gun advocate you're saying they, they you know they didn't have a case and they shouldn't have taken it they should have taken it to the supreme court I don't necessarily disagree with you, but the reality is, could they afford to do that, right? Because they have to pay their lawyers the entire time, all the way through that process, to get to the Supreme Court from today is going to take years, um, and and you're just talking about a bill, um, you know, a tab that they probably did the math and said we can't afford to pay if we take if we stretch this out much further, um, and so at some point they don't don't they also say. We're going to spend seventy-three million dollars dealing with this. So, 
if we can just end it without having to go to court, without having to tie up all these resources, you know, isn't that a calculus that's constantly made? Like, how much is it going to cost us to fight this in court? Let's settle for something slightly less than that. Exactly. Right. Like, so now what this did, though, this like, so this, this, this complicates things for the gun industry. Right yeah. now, if you're anti-gun, you're just like, yay, whatever. Um, you know, I'm not anti-gun. I'm pro, I'm pro Second Amendment, and and I don't feel that this is this is a good way to go after anybody, whether it's the gun lobby or or, or anyone else, um, because of the way they're using the courts to do it. Right. Like so, back in 2005, Congress passed an act called the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms. Right. And so, what what placa? It's the acronym is placa. But what placa is? Um, and the reason why Congress passed it is that the anti-gun lobby or the gun control lobby, what they would do is that they would sue gun manufacturers with frivolous lawsuits, right? That, you know, had barely any, any grounds whatsoever that they knew that they couldn't win. But as I just said, trials are expensive, right? Sure. And so they would sue these very, you know, they would sue the smaller gun makers, whether it's Walter or Smith and Wesson or whomever, right. right? They would sue them with these lawsuits, knowing that these companies would have to spend all this money to get these, even, even, even if we're talking about getting these cases thrown out, it still would, you know, yeah. put a big dent in these, in, in these, in these gun manufacturers pockets. So what Congress came in and said, you know what, you cannot use the court system to, you know, do your bidding for you. You can't do frivolous lawsuits. Therefore, um, you know, we're going to pass this act. And then those lawsuits basically went away. So here's the deal. If a gun malfunctions, right, and hurts someone, then you can sue the gun manufacturer, right? Right. But if you have, you know, Joe Blow idiot, they pick up a gun and they kill someone, they kill themselves or whatever, because they weren't using the gun safely, or they did something, you know, they did something heinous. You can't sue them because that person made a choice, a decision to do that, right. and that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the gun manufacturer's intention, um, nor was it their fault. How could you hold them responsible for what someone else made the decision right. and chose to do? Now, what happened in this particular case, how the plaintiffs in this case, the families, and there were nine families, mind you, only nine um, that were a part of this, but um, how they got around this is they made the argument that because Remington um, pushed to get their guns used in first-person shooter video games, uh, that they were marketing the teenagers, and therefore by marketing the teenagers in, in those games, that this kid, and I believe the kid was an active gamer, that he was able to make the connection between Remington being on the video game, so he got a Remington and he therefore went and committed this terrible act, right? Like, so that's their get around of this act that Congress passed in 2005, right? Now, I believe that especially with the Supreme Court that we have right now, that if Remington were to take this, were to kind of take this all the way through to trial, and if they were, uh, if the court ruled against them, that they would be able to get this to the Supreme Court and with the court that we have, I think that the court would rule in their favor. But again, cost. It's really expensive to go to court. It's crazy expensive to get a case to the Supreme Court. 
So, you know, and again, they're defendants. So and, and juries are wild. You never know what a jury's going to do. Right. Well, with the Supreme Court, you're not dealing with a oh, jury. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Right. Like, you're not dealing with a jury. But wouldn't you need a ruling in a, previ- in, in a lower court to get to the Supreme Court? So Well, I mean, like, so you would, so they take, so if they take this, it, like, so, you know, this is, this is currently right now, I think, in Connecticut, right? Right. So Connecticut rules against Remington. Remington then appeals to, on an appellate level. Appellate level rules against Remington, right? So Remington is just like, okay, we're going to take this, yep. elevate it up to the Supreme Court. So you could do that. But again, you can see how the cost of that when you're paying lawyers $1,000 an hour or law firms $1,000 an hour per lawyer and there's 10, 15 right. lawyers working on it, you can see how it adds yeah. up very quickly. <clears throat> um, and so, but I believe that had this gone that way, right, if they had, you know, let's say maybe their market cap were $10 billion, then I think that they would be able to take this to the Supreme Court. And I believe, especially with the people that we have on the court now, that it would be ruled in their favor. Um, But they just don't have the money to do it. So the question then becomes, because there's a lot of first-person shooter games out there, there are a lot of different guns that are noticeably, right, that are in those games, right, because they list what type of gun it is. Oh, it's an FN SCAR, right? That's how a lot of people, like, especially, like, if you listen, like, to hip hop and rap, a lot of guys talk about FNs, right? FN America, they're a gun manufacturer here in the US. Yeah. <clears throat> and they make really good guns. Their guns are also crazy expensive. Um, but like they're they're well known. So if someone uses an FN, let's say a SCAR, because it's probably one of their more uh, uh, more recognizable weapons, um, would someone then be able to sue FN? Uh, because FN is in a video game. Now, they would have to be able to make the connection that the person who used the gun played the video game and saw the weapon and then you know, chose to use said weapon in whatever crime they committed. Um, so you need a lot of things to fall in place for this to work out. Um, but it is something, it, is, it, it does create somewhat of a precedent. Um, now, again, this is also Connecticut, right? Now, in a lot of places... Right. If this is Texas, if this is Florida, if this is Alabama, if this is Ohio, <laughs> right? Like you probably don't get anywhere close to this sort of thing, and you know you probably have the court saying, "Don't settle. This was this is going to work out just fine for you." You know that sort of thing. Right. But, um, you, you know, I mean, I, I think it's interesting, right? And again, I I feel for these families. Um, what they have experienced to this point is just is is unimaginable, um, and I believe that. You know, like they they should have gone after Alex Jones the way they did, and they should have won that the way the, yes. the, the way they did. Um, but as it relates to this, I just don't think this is right, and I also don't believe that this is this is this is bad for the gun industry. But I think that this is bad for other industries because there are plenty of people out there looking to shut down some sector. Well, right, I mean, Purdue <clears throat> Pharmaceuticals got hit with, you know, $100 million in settlements or something from just one lawsuit, I think. And I kind of took the same stance there. I'm like, now there's differences there because they, how they marketed it to dr- drugs that are potentially lethal if not used properly. Well, th- not is, only marketed, but lied about their, how addictive they were. Oh, and, yeah. And, I mean, there was there was a lot with, with Purdue Pharma, especially as it came to, to um, uh, opioids. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, I just, I think it's dangerous um, for like, yeah, it's, it's because of the gun industry. Everyone's just like, Oh, so you just like guns. But like, no, I think that this, this sets a dangerous precedent for, you know what? I don't like that. So I'm going to attack them in this backdoor way and basically bankrupt them through the courts. 
Um, and I just don't think that's how our courts should be used um, when we have so, other, so many other legitimate issues that need to be resolved and our court system is already bogged down right. with so much shit. All right. I think we're mostly on the same page there then. Um, yeah. All right. Something we need to touch on first before we get into some sports stuff is um, Kim Potter, the, the woman, the female police officer, former police officer who shot and killed uh, Dante Wright in Minnesota. Um, when she, in her, her, from, she was claiming she was de- deploying a taser. She grabbed her gun. I think it's a clear case of incompetence. And she was sentenced to two years in prison, essentially. Yeah. Um, what What are your thoughts on this? Because I know hmm. Dante Wright's family is furious, and I understand why, because their yeah. kid got killed. But I also see the other side. But um, yeah, I mean this this is this is this is hard. This isn't. Uh, I, I don't think this is easy for anyone to look at and say this all worked out for the best. I mean, you got a kid who had. You know, he, he, he had a rap sheet. There were warrants for his arrest, which is why he was being arrested. He resisted arrest, you know, breaks free out of the cuffs, get jumps in the car and, you know, goes to take off. And, you know, she's screaming, taser, 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 you know, and you can see from her uh, body cam footage, she's got a gun in her right hand. She's screaming taser and then bang, bang, shoots the kid, shoots the kid and, um, you know, the kid drives off and ultimately, you know, he ends up dying and crashing. Um, and then, you know, she has her immediate reaction, like, holy shit, I just shot someone. I thought I had my taser and, you know, all that other stuff. Um, and, yeah, this was incompetence. This is, she got convicted of manslaughter. Um, and, you know, the conviction was right. The question is, what about the punishment? You know, and, you know, there are some people who are saying that, you know, she, she should just get probation because, you know, it was just an honest mistake. And, you know, the kid had a rap sheet and had he not resisted arrest, we wouldn't be in this position. Um, and those things are true. And also, her record, I think, was very clean. Right. This is not a Derek Chauvin situation where, like, the guy was a proven fucking douchebag. Right. I shouldn't say douchebag because that's someone who does something <laughs> annoying. Right. I mean, he had so many complaints, so many right. things on I his mean, record. He had, oh, had I think over, he had over 20 complaints against him. Yeah. She had nothing. Um, this, this is a clear mistake, but my, my thing is this. Um, you know, I've said it multiple times on the show. Uh, you know, police officer's job can be very difficult. Um, sure. You know, we, we talked about the kid who was shot in Minnesota, you know, with the no-knock warrants. Right. And, you know, sometimes police are put in a position where they have to bust through a door and they don't know what's on the other side. That's dangerous. Um, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's dangerous. And I'm sure it can be scary. And you got to have a fuck ton of adrenaline and a fuck ton of let's go in you to do to handle that um but you know their job is hard it it can be absolutely it can be very dangerous um but still we're we're giving them a badge and a gun we're giving them the ability to take people's freedoms we're giving them the ability for them to nullify people's rights right to a certain degree right like once you get convicted like once you go to jail and you get convicted there's a number of things that you know, you were able to do that you are no longer able to do because of that particular situation. Um, and so, in this particular instance... All right, sorry, folks. Took a little bit of a breakup in there. I had to help some friends out. Um, but we were talking about Kim Potter's sentencing and, and um, you know, because our family is very upset that it's only two years. I, I see both sides of this. Like, I don't see her as an awful person 
like I mentioned no, before. No, I, I mean, and I think what I was trying to explain before, and, and I definitely lost my thought here, but um, I think what I was saying before is like, look, I mean, their job is hard, and but I think we have to hold them to a higher level of accountability because they can take away people's freedoms and people's rights, right? And lives. And, right, and lives, right? So it, with, with that level of power and authority, when they make a mistake, then then yeah, it's it, there's got to be it, it, we can't treat them like the average citizen who just made a mistake, right? Like this wasn't just you know some scared lady walking down the street who you know went in her purse and grabbed her gun instead of her taser because she thought she was you know being assaulted right. by someone. Um, you know, you're a trained officer of the law. They talked about how you know she had been on the force twenty plus years and she trained other officers and everything else. And and you know, we talked about this when it first happened. It's just like, listen, then you got to know your weapon. You got to you you have to fall back on your training, which means you got to train so much. So that means if you have a gun and a taser, you need to train with both to the point where. You know, reaching for the taser is natural. Reaching for the gun is natural. And it's just like, well, who does that? Like, and that's kind of the problem that we're seeing um, is that, you know, these cops aren't falling back on their training or they're falling back on really poor training and making... I think that's you know, more of it. Right. They're in, in making, like, really bad decisions or they're just, like... They have poor training and they don't do much training after they get out of the academy other than what's mandated and what's mandated is a ridiculously low amount. So when they get into these highly stressful situations, then they don't perform well, right? right. Um, and, and, that's, and that's really the issue. And so because of that, I think that the penalties need to be higher to push better training so shit like this doesn't happen. Right. Like instead, like it needs to be, you know, hours, of, you know, hours upon hours of training after they're out of the academy throughout the course of their career, you know, not on their dime, but on the state's dime, you know, having them, you know, not only just at, you know, a shooting range, but in, you know, simulated situations where they're having to make these quick decisions and they're having to go for their gun and they're having to make the decision between going between taser and gun and doing that over and over and over again, busting reps, like just like a football player or a golfer or, or, you know, a Olympic weightlifter or me as a power lifter. Like I do for me to compete, like I got to bang out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reps to get into, you know, a position where sure. I'm starting to, to, to get ready for a meet. And so, you know, considering that they could have to do this at any point in time during their typical workday, then they should be training this shit nonstop, right? Like it should just be required, you know, so many hours after, you know, per week or per month that you need to be in, you know, not only just on the range, but in, you know, real life type uh, um, um, scenarios. Uh, so things like this, don't occur or they occur less frequently, right? Because we, you know, we talked to Mike Wood years ago and he said, you know, one of the worst kept secrets um, with police are the number of training or the number of accidents, accidental shootings that police, uh, uh, that happen to police officers across the country, right? Just, I mean, and then if you go on YouTube and just Google, you know, police gun, you know, accidental firing or whatever, um, like you see the craziest shit. Like I watched one where a guy shot himself in an elevator, <laughs> right? Like, I always what? flashback of the guy who was in front of a fucking classroom, no stress yeah, or whatever. Yeah, right. And like, he says, I'm the only one qualified to handle this weapon. And then boom, he literally and then shoots, shoots himself in the foot. Right. Like, I mean, it's just like, I mean, and, they're, they're, and the scariest thing about that video is it shows that guy and it shows a couple other guys in classrooms where their guns go off in the classroom. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, I, 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 
I just think that there's 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 a better nexus point here um, in terms of punishment, and I get that she was you know a solid, upstanding citizen, and like I say, I don't want her to go away for life. She doesn't need to go away for ten years, right? But you know, like the the estimated range was six to eight, so I would have liked to have seen six, right? right. Um, which means she would have done a couple years in jail. Like as, as it stands right now, she's going to do sixteen months, and then the rest of it is going to be supervised uh, release. Um, you know, in 16 months, listen, any day, that's, and we've talked a, about yeah, it, any a, day in jail is a long ass time. Yeah. Right. Like you, if you spend a night in jail, you're just like, whew, right. Um, it, but it, you know, notwithstanding because of her position, I think that the standard needs to be higher and the penalty for a mistake. Yes, it's a mistake and it's a, it's a terrible one. But a mistake, nonetheless. I just I think the penalties should be a little bit higher. Again, I don't I, I, I don't want blood, right? I'm not I don't want her dead. I don't want her doing a life sentence. I don't even want her doing ten years. But you know, five or six years here, I think probably fits the bill. And and and, and remember, because this kid's not coming home. Dante Wright right. is dead forever. So um, you know, you take a life. It just seems like you know she shouldn't be out before the Summer Olympics at 24. You know, but she's gonna be. So speaking, good seg, good segue. Speaking of the Olympics, so the Russian skater whose name you're going to say and I am not, Kamila Valieva, was tested positive. You're for, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she tested positive for a banned substance. Yes. She's 15 years old, right? Yes. Um. So, which in Russian years, who knows what that means? By the way. Well, I mean, you look at it; she's probably 15. I know. I know. I know. I know. She's a tiny human. Um, so one, she's 15. So I want to, like, listen, she's, she's 15. She's a kid. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going after her. But uh, maybe a little bit because, so she got busted for a drug that I won't say the name of. But it's a drug. She had a heart. She claims that she had a heart issue. She, she well, now this, so this is where, this is the issue. So now the story is she took this drug that the drug was prescribed to her grandfather, and she's saying she accidentally took it. Okay. And and now this particular <sighs> drug, um, it's it's a vasodilator. Okay. Um, and you know if you're as an athlete, there's certain benefits that come with that, right? Sure. Like a lot of the you know pre workouts and things that um, are on the market have. You know, nitric like, oxide, or yeah. Like you know, low-level vasodilators, but this, you know, this is a prescription. Um, this is a prescription drug with prescription strength. Um, and as an ice skater, there, you know, you could see how this particular drug could give her an advantage. Now, there are certain things, like the other issue is that there are certain supplements she she takes that aren't banned, that do something similar. All right. Right, and so. You know, she she's already taking these supplements that do something similar, and now you're saying that you accidentally you happen to accidentally take your grandfather's drug that does the same that thing does that, the yeah. same thing, and you took it at a point in time, or like it just so happened that you accidentally took it around the time that you got drug tested because whatever this drug is is probably going to clear your system in a week or so, right? Um, and I don't know what drug it was. I don't, but, I don't know but what it typically, is. Typically, especially drugs of that nature. Yeah, they clear they clear your system pretty pretty quickly, Depending, right? They do, but you might get trace levels that last for longer, and I don't know how the testing works. But right. it's worth pointing out that she's not competing for Russia; she's competing for the Russian, Russian Olympic, Olympic Committee, Committee 
because Russia was so shady, they said, you as a country can't right. do this anymore. And what we mean by shady is they were doping athletes, doping like athletes. freaks. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we, we've you know we've all seen we've all seen Rocky Four, right? Right with with, with um, Ivan, uh, Drago. Ivan Drago, right? So um, I don't know, like that. So that so before when it was she has a heart condition and she's taking this medication, I thought that was interesting because like competing and I've competed multiple times in drug tested federations, right? The USAPL. Um, and they use the uh, World Anti-Doping uh, Agency or yep. whatever standards. Um, and so with them, like, so you have to, at the beginning of the year, you have to list, like, your like where you live, where you work, and places that you frequent, right? And then you have to give them good contact information, email, phone number, all that other stuff. And then they will randomly drug test you at your job, right? Yeah, you this, told me about that. This is for powerlifting, right? Right. Powerlifting. Right, not the Olympics. Like powerlifting is not an Olympic sport, right? Not to be confused with Olympic lifting, but powerlifting, right? That I'm doing in fucking Columbus or some gym in Cleveland, right? But the USAPL will randomly drug test you at your home or at your job, um, and it's not like a you know, all right, go in the stall and do your thing. It's a no, whip it out right in front of me and you pee in this cup, right? And if you if they can't find you or if you say that you can't, then you know that is a negative test. The other part about it is that's that, a positive test. Or is a positive test. Sorry. Um, but the other thing about it is, you know, aside from telling them everywhere that I have to go, I have to tell them all the medications that I'm taking, right? And supplements and you have, like you, you need to disclose everything and you have to have, you know, a proof from a doctor, especially if something is on the ban list, even if it's not on the ban list, you still need to tell them what you're taking. But if it's on the ban list, then there's this whole process that you go through for a special exemption and they will either pr approve it or deny it depending on what it is. Um, you know, and, you know, the amounts that you're taking and then, like, so they take that into sure. account when they test you. So if, like, if you have more than what should be for a person who regularly takes this drug, then you got a problem. Um, but, you know, in her particular instance, the story was originally that she had a heart condition. And now the story is her grandfather has a heart condition and she accidentally took his medication and then happened to get tested and now she popped positive for it. So it go and this happened back in December, but we didn't hear about it until February. And then they hemmed and hawed about it, and they said, "Well, she can compete, but she can't compete for a medal." And it ended up kind of working out because she—I watched her last night, and she fell, and she fell out of medal contention because of her fall, and she just didn't execute her routine very well, uh, or her yeah, her yeah routine. Yes. And um, so she's not meddling. So, but. There's still the idea that, like, if you're, you know, if you get caught with a banned substance, then you shouldn't be able to compete, right? And if you, and if they let you compete, then you, it's either you can or you can't. Not you can, but you can't medal. Yeah, that's insane. Right. Like that's that's, that's like, the thing that really that makes absolutely no sense. So the Olympics fucking this up is nothing new, right? The Olympic committees have found ways to fuck things up in the past. Um, the idea that she accidentally took her grandfather's medicine, I'm sorry, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm just trying I'm, to be diplomatic because she's 15. You, 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 but... you go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm, she is 15, and, but I've never heard of anyone doing that. Now, Accident. Hold on. It's in Russia, so we do need to take that into account. Okay. Because Russia. But, um, but yeah, I don't I, know how that happens. I can't imagine that... Uh, uh, I no, don't know. No, not buying it. I, I, I've been around grandparents on medication a whole bunch of times in my life. I have. I take uh, blood pressure medication. 
I've never accidentally taken anyone else's. Granted, I live alone. But even if it's true, I don't see how you could use that as a viable excuse. Like, I, if, I, if I'm the, the panel looking at this, even right. if I believe that she accidentally took her grandfather's medication, based off how strict they've been with other people with drugs in the past, right? With people in the crazy excuses, like... You know, there was this was CrossFit, but a girl tested positive for a steroid, and she said, "Oh, my boyfriend's on steroids, and I sucked his dick, and he came in my mouth, and that's how <laughs> I tested positive." Like a girl used that as an excuse, um, and you know, CrossFit was like, "No." <laughs> like, see, I'm gonna, I'm just because it would discourage behavior that I don't want to discourage. I was like, "Okay, you can do that. I'll give yeah, you that one." I, I don't. Uh, uh, no, no. I don't. and I'm not being serious. All right. Um, I really want to talk about the NFL halftime, uh, Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. Because um, Eminem took a knee after his part of the performance. Well, first of all, what did you think of it? Because I know you're a huge hip-hop guy. I was, I, I loved it, and the only thing I didn't like about it is that it was only, you know, 12 minutes or right. whatever it was. But, I mean, I thought they did a good job. Um, you know, there were... Things that I would have loved to see, like uh, there's other songs I would have I would have preferred Kendrick Lamar perform. Um, you know, there's uh, you know I wish that they would have been able to figure out a way to like do a Tupac hologram and play his verse in California Love. Um, you know, I, I just um, you know, but I thought that it was it was well performed. I mean, I tell you, from the beginning when Drake comes up out of the stage. And you see that giant mixing board that he's on, right? And and he's got his arms spread, and he's dealing with the levels and all that stuff. I got goosebumps. Really? Right? Like, right. oh yeah. Like, I mean, well, you gotta understand, you're, you're a like, huge this fan. is right. Like, you gotta understand, especially like this group of people, right? Like, you know, the Chronic dropped in like '99, I think '99 or 2000. You know, Eminem really burst on the scene around that time. You know, that album was, you know, however many times platinum. It was literally the soundtrack of our of high school and college, right? I mean, that, you for know. You. <laughs> right. I mean, well, for me, but, like, you know, like, still Dre, when he, when he goes, when he's, you know, playing on the piano, he's playing, you know, classic, and then he yeah. drops into still, you know, still Dre, like, that also gave me goose, goosebumps. But anytime you hear that song, Right when you hear, every, I don't care if you don't like rap music, chances are you've heard that song when he comes in with the piano. Dum, 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 like you, you, everybody knows it, right? And so that that moment was 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 big. Fifty Cent's chubby ass hanging upside down was great. Uh, you know, he took a beating for you know like being out of shape. Now the thing about Fifty, like his weight is fluctuating or whatever, but. He can get himself back into shape, and he even made fun of himself. So I, yeah, like, I don't want to get in the body. You know, people are like, "You're fat shaming him." Like, if you knew, if you know Fifty Cent at all, that man is ruthless when it comes to making fun of other people. So if he takes a little heat, it's fine. Like, I have no guilt about making fun of him. Um, as it, so as it relates to Eminem, um, I think you know this, but I actually didn't recognize that I, he was kneeling. I didn't either, and. My reason for not even paying attention to it was um, when Dr. Drake goes to play the piano, I, I literally got nervous. And the reason why is that he had a brain aneurysm in January of 2021. 
And so when Dr. Dre had this brain aneurysm, like he, he's a really quiet guy. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. And frankly, I didn't know what his recovery was like, right? Like we have, we, oh, yeah, we've yeah. heard him talk or whatever, but you don't see a lot of him like moving around. So I don't know what his dexterity is like. I don't know what his coordination is like. So when he went to the piano, I'm just like, whoa, okay. And then he sits down. And if you watch closely, the, he took a brief pause with his hand and kind of closed it and opened it. Now, that could have been nerves. It's the Super Bowl. It's a massive stage. He's about to play the piano. And probably, there's, I, I think there's a lot of people who were today years old when they found out that Dr. Drake had actually played the piano that way. But then he gets into it, and he's playing the classical, and then he drops into Steel Drake. And that's what I was paying attention to. So I had no idea that Eminem knelt. And, you know, this whole debate about or around it is kind of, like, to me, is kind of ridiculous because... I think that it's we've we he said that he was kneeling for Kaepernick and social right. justice, right? Um, but even whether he was kneeling for Kaepernick and social justice or he was kneeling because Dr. Dre is just the fucking best, um, I don't I, I don't really care either way. But if he's kneeling for Kaepernick, which I think we know that he was, and he's he's kneeling for social justice, it's a nice gesture. Um, you know, it's not going to move the NFL, right? Um, you know, the, the NFL did this whole thing about, you know, working with social justice and they have all these initiatives that they're doing and they're also being sued at the same time for having only one black head coach in, in, in the league, right? In, right? in racial discrimination. And they had this whole thing with Kaepernick. So to me, it's a nice gesture by Eminem. It's not going to move the NFL. It's not going to do anything in the form of social justice. Appreciate it. Um, and, you know, whatever. Uh, but you know the deal that people are making out of this, especially the conservative right and media, is is ridiculous. And the fact that anyone like all right, so I liked it. Um, I'm not as big a hip hop fan as you, but I like hip hop. I like right. I like Eminem. Um, I like Dr. Dre. Um, if Kendrick Lamar walked past me on the street, I wouldn't know who he was. Um, That's fair. Yeah, I just I mean I know I know that if you say the name and I, I probably if you played a song of his I'd know it, but. Uh, uh, I'm just saying. That's everybody right. knows right. it. Everybody, right. you know where you know it from? I mean, I know it from Eminem. No, 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 no. Well, you, why would you know about Eminem? Eminem's not even on that song. Oh, you oh, know, uh, Training Day. Oh, that's right. Beginning of Training Day. When 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 they get in the Monte Carlo oh, and they throw the switches. Off the, yep, yep. <laughs> and this Dr. Did, Dre was the, in Training the, Day. This did not come from the motor pool. No, it didn't. But it's sexy, right? Right. <laughs> and it uh, is. It was a, a sexy ass Monte Carlo. Dr. Dre was in Training Day, so was Snoop Dogg. Right, right. Um, and Macy Gray. Where's she in that? Macy, when they're uh, when, when they, they robbed run, the when they're running through the house. Remember, like she, they, ro they rob her to get the money to pay off. All yeah, right, yeah. Right. Okay, I didn't. I did not recognize that as Macy Gray, but honestly, when I watched that movie in right. nineteen or sorry, two thousand one, yeah, I probably barely knew who Macy Gray was. Right. Um, mean, probably most people barely know who she is now. <laughs> yeah. She had like. One or two songs. See, I like her from so, totally derailing here, but she's in one of the Spider-Man. I think the first Spider-Man with Tobey uh, Maguire. Oh right? yeah, Isn't yeah. She performing. I think so. In, in yeah. the in the scene when the anyway. I so I like her from that. Um, so, so I agree. The reaction of this is the worst halftime show ever. Okay, if you feel that way, fine. It's not your kind of music. If you're actually offended by it. It's You're it's, I mean, it's it's funny. Well, and Rudy Giuliani comes on and says, "Why doesn't Eminem go to another country if he's do that?" Rudy, fuck you. Like Rudy, you're being investigated for fucking uh, sedition. Get the fuck right, out of here. Exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Solid point. Right. But like, also, just I mean, 
talk about pandering to a base. Like, yeah. a guy knelt during the national No, he knelt, period. Not during the national anthem. Right, there was, it wasn't like, during the was, national anthem. No. Nope. And, and that's the other thing, too. It's just like, it's not during the national anthem. Like, you, the guy just took a knee, right? Like, like what do you guys think happens in the, you know, in the NFL when guys take a knee when they, when they, when they catch a punt or whatever, you right. know? Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's absurd, the reaction. And, and my, you know, social media circle, like, I, I, I try to be as open and, and have a diverse group of, of opinions that, that I see. Um, so, you know, mine wasn't too bad. There, you know, you're older. I think you know, white people over you know, fifty five, over Take fifty, um, were, you know, are, were the most perturbed and put off by this. Uh, I don't know who these people are, and they're criminals. And by and the way, bangbangers. they've been around for twenty th- or thirty years. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, Dre's been around for thirty years. Snoop's probably been around for thirty years too. You know. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, from going all the way back to ninety two, uh, um, one eight seven. Because um, they did the soundtrack for that movie, 187. Uh, but, I mean, like, those guys have been around forever. You know, Dre going back to NWA. You know, 50 Cent's been around for, you know, 20 years. I mean, because he burst on the scene within the club. The, you know, right. song that he's performing. That was when I was in college, I think in 2000. So, you know, he's been around for... Mary J. Blige has been around for as long as I can remember in the, you know, in the 90s with the songs that she did. Kendrick Lamar is new on the scene. But, again, Eminem's been around for 20-plus years. Yeah. Right. I mean, the funny thing about it is that, you know, I think, you know, someone pointed out that on that stage you had, you know, two billionaires, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, multiple people, you know, multiple uh, um, investment ventures and multiple, you know, charities sure, sure. and, you know, all these things. And, you know, they all came, you know, from nothing, literally Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Dre, all of them you yeah. know, came from the, the, their respective hoods, you know, and turned themselves into these massive success stories. Um, even with you know the trials and tribulations they had in between, um, and so that was a representation. Is that not the representation of the American dream? Right? To be, is yeah, it, if you're a conservative, you are. You should be Talk screaming, pick themselves up by the bootstraps, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. You know, you had you know a stage full of the American dream right then and there, um, and so I just. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I can't take the, the criticisms too seriously. I mean, I think for the older people who legitimately, like my friend's mom, who's close to 70 years old, who doesn't know who any of them are, okay, Kathleen, I, that makes sense that you don't know who they are, and this isn't your thing, and, and that's okay, right? Um, and there are other people who, they're just like, well, and the, but the funny thing is, is that a lot, of, a lot of conservatives' argument is, well, this is clearly racist. There were no white people on stage. First of all, well, Eminem, Eminem is about as white as they come, right? Like his little pasty ass. And then um, just the idea of being so put off by not seeing yourself represented in something like this, not seeing, you know, all, you know, majority sure. white people on the stage. And it's just like, well, was that not racist? And this is uncomfortable for me because I don't like it. I don't know what's going on. It's like, I mean, yeah. Right, like that's kind of what we've been saying as, as for black a while. People, you can't possibly understand what is. Yeah, what is that's. Like I mean, and that's. And, and, and again, kind of back to my point on our last show. It's just like, yeah, yeah, that's it. And I'm not doing it to put it in your face. I just don't care how you feel about it, right? Because I'm at a point where I no longer have to, right? And there's really not much you can do about it, right? Like, I mean, things like this are going to happen. Like, you're going to continue to see black people in commercials. You're going to you're going to oh, continue no. to see. Black producers and directors like Tyler Perry and uh, 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 
Key or uh, Peel, yeah. uh, Jordan Peel, and you're going to continue. You know, these people who now have this, who have gained a certain level of money and power and their ability to say, you know what, um, I'm going to start my own network, or I'm going to buy your network, or um, I'm going to produce my own show. And Netflix is just like, oh, you're going to produce it? Cool. We'll we'll team up with you and put it out there. So you're going to start to see more people of color and LG, LGBT people because we're coming at, we, this generation, we are coming into that age of financial stature and power right. where we now have control, right? And we have more power. So we can put us on. Right, we can put ourselves on TV. We can put ourselves in movies. We can, we can, you know, we now are starting to see ourselves have seats at the table. So, you know, it's just like, all right, if we're not going to do this collectively as a group together, then we'll just buy our way in and we'll do what you guys did. And now you don't like it, and that's kind of something that, according to you guys, is on you, right? So, I mean, like that's, I think that's really what people are having to come to terms with. They don't like it, and so you're seeing this pushback and i think the move for people of color lgbt is to keep pushing right and not everybody has to like your shit like just because it's all black doesn't mean that i'm necessarily going to like it but you know i'll give it a shot and if i enjoy it i'll support it if not like i don't have a problem yeah. saying it's trash same thing with lgbt right keep putting your movies out there keep putting your books out there keep you know be as flamboyant as you want. I may not necessarily agree with the level of flamboyance or care, but I want you to have the freedom to do it. So go ahead, do it. And as long as you've got the power and the support and the money and the backing to do it, you keep doing it so that it can become normal and accepted or the people who don't like it just fucking die off and then we, we, we start fresh. You know, I mean, and it's harsh, but that's just, that's reality. What, so one thing that's, well, a couple things. I really want to talk about how much I hate what Rudy Giuliani said. Because I hate whenever someone says, you did this thing I don't like, that I think it disrespects my point of view. Like The fact that you're recently involved in sedition <laughs> notwithstanding, <laughs> just the whole concept of, I didn't like this, go to another country. Go fuck yourself. This country is supposed to be about freedom. We say it all the time, how freedom is administered does vary based on certain aspects of your uh, social, political, and, and, and uh, racial... You know, uh, situation but for for a guy to come out and say that it's so pandering so pathetic and it genuinely pisses me off when people say you did this you should go to another country no fuck stick why don't you go to another country that actually likes oppression if you prefer the saudi way of doing things where if you speak out against the government or you speak out they literally kill you right. then go if, if that's how you want your government to work you're not being what you would claim is the ideal of america so Right, because according to them, you would actually be okay with what happened to Khashoggi in Saudi Arabia, right? Yeah. He was he was a journalist who spoke out against the government, who didn't like what they were doing, so they murdered him, right? And he was he was also a U.S. citizen and and well known, and they didn't give a fuck. So you're right. you're okay with that, right? Like I mean, and and you know that's a dramatic jump to make, but I still think it's to the, the point. principle is the same, right? right? The principle is, is is the same, and but I mean I think the answer is for again, like I said, is for the the people that are causing the Rudy Giuliani's out there to be upset is to keep pushing. Yeah, right? I mean I've, I've I really I myself recently probably in the last year have kind of turned that corner where I like look I don't have a responsibility to make anybody in the room comfortable. I have a responsibility to be respectful. I have a con responsibility to represent myself well. 
But I don't have a responsibility to make you uncomfortable. So if you say some bullshit, I'm going to call you on your bullshit. And I am going to say it maybe, uh, I'm going to say it respectfully, but I'm going to say it firmly. And if that makes you uncomfortable because I'm bigger than you and I'm blacker than you, then that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. Right? Because right. now I'm at a point where you can't just usher me out of the room. Right? Because chances are I'm the one who invited you in the fucking room. So I, I don't really give a shit about your uh, uh, uneasiness with, with whatever it is about me that makes you uneasy. Right? I don't really give a fuck if you don't like my tone. I don't give a fuck if you don't like the way I said something. That is a you problem. That is not a me problem. And I'm not going to allow what you want, what you think that you need, or what, how you think that I should behave, control, or dictate my behavior. And I lose no sleep over it. At all. I, I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I mean, not in the same realms, but there's parts of my life where I used to be very, you know, shy about my opinions and about, you know, my interests. And um, I got to a point where I'm like, yeah, fuck, I'm me. And I'm, at the time, I'm probably four, roughly 40 years old. Yeah. And just said, you know what? I'm a fucking grown-ass man. I, you know, again, not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to make anyone uncomfortable. But I'm not going to apologize or feel guilty or Right. Or I mean, I, th I think, and again, and, respectfully, I mean, you do this stuff respectfully. You, you, you do it with tact. Um, and, 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 you know, reasonableness, you know, you're not trying to, you know, I, I'm not trying right. to tear anybody down or embarrass them or whatever, but I'm also just not going to get pushed around or I'm not right. going to keep myself subdued, um, because of my fear of making people uncomfortable. Um, you know, I, I had a job interview, you know, a year ago where, you know, I told the guy like, look, we need to move on past this subject. I've answered it thoroughly. Um, and if you can't move on from it, then we're going to walk out and this interview is over because I'm interviewing you as much as you're interviewing me and you're failing the interview right now. I recall that. You know, I mean, and those, those were and basically I, yeah. my exact words to him and he did move on from the subject and ultimately I was like, you know what? I want to work for you. I remember that, yeah. I, I loved everything about that company, everyone that I had interviewed with up until that point. I liked it and then I got to him and I was just like... But he was the top guy, right? He was the top guy and I was just like, I can't work for you. Now, mind you, I, I left a lot of money on the table by not taking that job, but I'm just at a point in my career and my life where I, I work too fucking hard to be around people I don't like. I completely understand that. Um, I think I had, one, I had one other... Oh, the other thing I wanted to say about the whole halftime show is it shows that, you know, the demographic you're reaching out to is younger. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're younger than They're younger me. and more diverse. And, more, and, and they grew up liking rap. Right. I mean, rap changed a lot of things. Yes. In terms of... In terms of Socio-political. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, when it became a mainstream kind of, you know, around you every day, and people started going, this is kind of cool. I kind of like it. Look, um, think about this. Think about this. The song California Love, Tupac, Dre, California classic. Um, you know, came out, was, you know, it was a great song, Top Chopper, or right. Chart Topper. Um, you know, and rap was big, but, I mean, like, the, you know, like... You had Tipper Gore coming out trying to, you know, go after Eminem and all that stuff, which is maybe a couple of years later. But, um, you know, like, you know, Tupac was in and out of jail and, and all this, you know, people were so up in armed about. Remember, this is around the t this is shortly after they started, censor, you know, putting the big, right, the, you know, the explicit, explicit lyric label, yeah. label on. And that was a huge deal and blah, blah, blah. Um, so that song, California Love, um, you know, which came out, I think, in, in I want to say like 93 or 94. Um, 
I heard that song. You want to know why I heard it? Sure. I mean, you're it on was, the radio, I'm guessing. No, no, was, no, no, no. Oh. It was in a movie. Okay. And the movie was Scooby-Doo. <laughs> the, the, the movie version of Scooby-Doo that came out, it came out during the pandemic, so this was maybe a year or two ago. No. Wait, wait. Yeah, they made a Scooby Doo movie. Okay, that's not where you first heard it. You've heard no, it. no, no, okay. yes, but I okay. heard like right, I, I right, like right. I'm watching. That's sit how down, mainstream it is. Me and Eden sit down to watch Scooby Doo the movie on maybe Disney Plus or whatever, and the opening song is California Love. Right. Okay. Like I mean now, but <laughs> if you think about where this all came from and where it all sure. started and the fact that now it went from we got to put in explicit lyrics and blah 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 and this is all bad and it's going to ruin the youth and blah 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 now we're going to put it in kids movies you know it's funny though because people who are a generation older have been complaining about music going to destroy the world since elvis yeah in fact maybe before that yeah. but you know it's Oh, this is so sexual. This is gonna. I mean, oh, I mean, like you can. I mean, I mean, you can go. I mean, you can go all the way back to the early days of Motown and blues and jazz and and how that was the devil's music, right? I mean, like our R and B was was the all the gyrating hips and talking about this and that and you know, I mean, it it was literally. Now there was a racial component to that as well, but I mean, you know, people have been complaining about secular music forever. Yeah. Um, as as a as a detriment to to society, the Beatles. Yeah. (laughs) Who, let's just say, were not edgy. Well, at the time they were. Well, right. They were really edgy. But uh, and I'm not a Beatles fan. I I really, I could probably only name you like a few Beatles songs off the top of my head. Um, But yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right that this is something that's been generational. But although what's interesting is I think with my generation, it's a little bit different, right? My generation is in a weird sort of sort of gap, right? Because we we didn't have any of the technology growing up but as we went into like sure. college and grad school like we had social media and computers and all that other stuff um you know we're really the last generation to grow up without cell phones and the internet and everything else so we're caught in this weird in between so depending on who you talk to in my age bracket right like they like they st- like me i still like new rap and hip-hop music but there's you can talk to someone that i graduated with and they they won't listen to anything that was made after like 2005, right? Okay. It's like oh, rap is all terrible now. It's all mumble. I don't understand what's going on. I'm just Chris like, Rock had a great bit about that, but right. I mean, but it's just it's and so we're an interest. I think we're an interesting group um, in that standpoint because there's a lot of us in my age group who are now in the hip hop rap industry. Right, who actually are really driving it, right? Whether it's a Steve Stout and all, you know, and all those guys are a little bit older than me, but still, um, you know, you think about the Jay Z's and the Beyonce, like Beyonce. I think Beyonce and I are around the same age, right? Like, so she's a huge part of of the mu- music industry. But I mean, it's just sure. it's just interesting to see where you know people your age and up are kind of like. Still, that whole you know rap music and music is gonna uh, destroy the world. And at my age, we're a little bit more in between. And then the kids younger than me are just like I mean those you know black kids my are younger you know probably ten years younger than me. They love everything, right? They love the mumble rap. They love the old rap. They love you know rap new versions of rap. But they also like other alternative music. And they're really into all these you know like K-pop and all that other shit. It's really really sort of bizarre but interesting and fun. You know, and to, to see your point, all this it's more on. accessible now because now you can right. read, just That's get on YouTube thing. and say, "I want to hear." I like I I I know what K-pop is. Yeah, I've never heard a K-pop song 
that I'm aware of. I mean, it might right. Be, right. But but if I wanted to BTS, check it out, get down. If I wanted to check it out, I you could just get on YouTube. I didn't have to go. Don't go. Don't have to go to a record store, buy a product, and see if I like it. Right. I just YouTube K-pop. Right. See what happens. Yep. Um, I'm not a big YouTube guy. Okay, because a lot I, of people in the gym love to use YouTube as their playlist all the time, and I for, for whatever reason I don't. Is like, it the sound quality thing? Because I've heard people kind of criticize no, me for that. I just I part of it is because I'm an Apple whore. That is so fair. Part of that is part, my biggest problem because I have Apple Music, so I can you know I have all of the music in Apple's catalog at my fingertips at any point in time. Um, and I just you know I can arrange my playlist the way I want it with the songs and everything else and. Um, which is funny because all my song, all my playlists are basically like the same except for a couple new songs. Right? right. I just label them different. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Um, man, we've gone over an hour 15. Oh! Uh, it's a good talk. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, there's other things. I, well, the, real... the, the, the biggest thing is that we got the NBA All-Star, you know, uh, right. game in town, which we talked about earlier at the beginning of the show. So, I mean, we did cover that. Right. Um, you know, a lot of young Cleveland Cavs in the game, so that'll be for, or a couple. I think uh, so, uh, um, um, the guard uh, Garland that, and right. Jared Allen um, are both in, which is funny because when you said Jared Allen the other day, I was thinking of the, the NFL the player for the Vikings, yep. and I was just like, "What did this guy do?" But no, you were talking about the guy from the Cavs, which is good. Um, it'll be fun, like I said. I'm gonna skip out of town uh, just because I don't want to deal with the nonsense. But I think there's plenty of good sightseeing and people watching opportunities. So, so, so the reason that we had that little hiccup in the show was I had to run some friends to the airport. Mm -hmm. The arrivals line was backed way the fuck up. Oh. I think a lot of people are getting into town for All Star Weekend. True, but tonight. you know where you want to be. Where you where you want to be is Burke. Airport. Well, then if you the, have the, the money like, to go to the yeah, private airport, yes. Yeah, there's, we have a private airport yes. on the lake where the private jets I, and charter jets That's where out. LeBron landed, yes. I'm aware. But all the people in the media, all the people in the yeah. other stuff, just packed. Yep. I mean, I'd love to keep talking, but we've gone way long. Let's Gotta burn. Down. We are at Whiskey Congress on Instagram and Twitter, and we are done.